welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hi friends, happy Friday. Hey, you have a bonus episode with a great Extraordinary Mom today. I know a lot of you are traveling over the holidays, and so I thought I would give you another full-length episode with an Extraordinary Mom so that you can have more traveling material to get you through your, your holiday cooking, your holiday travels, and you can just be inspired and encouraged by another Extraordinary Mom. So I'm really excited about this interview today. I'm speaking with Jess Toulson, and Jess is the mom of three, including a set of twin little girls, and they currently are an American family living in Russia and she has a really unique life experience because her husband plays basketball over there. They've also lived in several other European countries as he has played on different teams and I'm just super curious about their international lifestyle and what it's like living abroad and raising your kids there and what her day-to-day life looks like. I just have a million questions so I know you're going to love getting to know Jess today and it's just a fun conversation. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your week with your family and hopefully this will keep you company. Let's get to it with Jess. All right, I want to welcome Jess Toulson to the show. Hi, Jess. Hi, everybody. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. See, I, I just mentioned your positivity in the intro, and you can already tell from your, your welcome, hi, everybody, that how hi. positive you are. You're so nice. <laughs> Thanks. Where am I talking to you from today, Jess? So I am currently in St. Petersburg, Russia, And how... so I am far, far away. Yes. How long have you been there? So I lived here last year for eight months, and then because of my husband's um, line of work, we get to go home for the summer months, and so I just returned um, the middle of October, and I will be here for another um, eight or nine months. Okay. This is a very non-conventional lifestyle, so I cannot wait to (laughs) to dig deeper into this. But for people that may not know you, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Totally. So my husband actually is a professional overseas basketball player and people always say from home in the States, like, what? Like they have basketball over there. Like (laughs) little do you know, it's actually a really huge deal over here in Europe to um, play basketball. It's like similar to the NBA, but in Europe. So we started um, eight years ago. My husband and I, I was just like so young and Mm -hmm. we moved for our first basketball season to Turkey and just the two of us, we had such a fun year. It was such a great adventure. Um, I loved the bonding time that we had together because we had only been married one year previously, but we lived around like all of our family, all of our friends. So like really putting ourselves like so secluded and just being the two of us was actually really cool. Um, after that we moved to Italy and that is actually where I, um, welcomed my first son and his name is Asher. We lived in Italy for a year. He was born there. Crazy experience. (laughs) We went back to Turkey again. And, um, then we spent three years in Spain that I loved every second. And that is where, um, we actually had our twin daughters, Remy and Marlo. They were born in Malaga, Spain. And now, currently, we're living in St. Petersburg, Russia. And um, we've been here for about two years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Did you ever picture this as your life? 
So not even a little bit. Um, it was, <laughs> it's actually really funny because my husband and I have like such a cliche, um, story of like how we met and how we got married. I was, um, on the dance team at Utah Valley University and my husband, as you can guess, he was on the basketball team <laughs> and, um, I saw him and I told my dance friend, Oh my gosh, I'm going to marry him. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're just crazy. And I'm like, no, watch, I'm going to marry him. So then, you know, after some time we actually did start dating. And at the time my husband was actually looking into dental school. So I kind of like when things got more serious, that was kind of the route that we were looking. And then, um, a lot of, opportunities came like things totally changed and like we got married and then within the next like six months all of a sudden instead of thinking dental school we were all of a sudden thinking oh my gosh like my husband's either gonna play in the NBA or we're gonna have this like European life and I had never heard of anyone playing overseas so like <laughs> it seemed really like overwhelming and crazy to me because I just had no idea um but now this is just like what we do and I just I love it I, I really enjoy it so yeah I did not picture this at all yeah and I'm sure it's given you some really wonderful opportunities you never would have expected but there's also got to be some hard parts as well the hardest challenge that I face is that my kids still know that there's people that love and care for them and there's stability waiting for them back at home in the states right because there is there's a lot of uprooting them my cute son has lived in, gosh, like six different cities now, and he's only five. So there's just kind of this inconsistency for them that makes me concerned for later. But honestly, they adapt so well because they don't know any different. So it's kind of a concern that I have as a mom that honestly, sometimes I think it's something I shouldn't even worry about because it doesn't seem to really affect them. Yeah, and I think we can put that on our kids too much and then they take that on and that worry and that oh I don't want to move that's too hard to make friends or whatever but kind of how we present it is really how they're going to be able to step up I'm we're a military family and so we move uh -huh. a lot as well and I feel so bad every time we do the move but with each no with each new location we don't regret the last move and the last location and the last people we met and the experiences we had you're always glad for it but there is some like nervousness and Oh, and definitely the stress of moving too. Just the logistics. Right. Yeah, you totally, you totally get how it is. Yes. I think it's cool too because I always get to tell my son, like, Asher, you have friends that we could go visit in Turkey. You have friends that we we do. We go visit in Spain, and you have friends now that you're like you consider brothers in Russia. Like, how cool is that? That in ten years we'll stay connected with these families because that's really like something that I. Um, really try to do is yeah. stay connected with all the people that I meet. So I'm always telling them how cool that like in 10 years we can come back and visit these people and you know, you have these friends from all around the world. So he thinks that's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And is there something that you've learned when you move from place to place about easing that transition? Is there any tips you've picked up along the way that make it a little bit oh easier? Oh my gosh. Yeah, and it's so funny because 
this has been like so much trial and error. Yeah. Like some years I do it better than others. And so sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, you just seem to move so perfect. And it seems like you just hop right into life everywhere you move. And really it's taken like a lot of trial and error for me to figure out like what works best yeah. for my family when we move. So honestly, for a second here, I'm going to sound a little bit selfish, but I have to explain myself <laughs> and then you may understand. Um, when I move somewhere, the very first thing that I have to do is I actually have to find like something for myself that mm. can make me happy because I feel like an unhappy mom means an unhappy family. So yeah. for me, for instance, like I have this, I, I really have a passion for fitness. It's something that I've just always loved. I'm not like a trained, like a professional trainer or anything. It's just kind of like a hobby that I have. So the first thing that like we know to do is to find mommy like a gym to just escape for one hour. Yeah. And I keep myself set up and that's like in the first two days. So it's not like I'm like neglecting my family for three <laughs> weeks while mommy finds a gym. It's like just the first like day or two, like we find me a gym and then I am like gung ho. Like I find my kids school, if they're going to go to school or like one of the very first things I do is I find like the international women's club because I'm like changing countries. Right. And so lots of times these groups are available in different countries. And then, um, I really search for like my church group and I try to find ways for me and my family to socialize immediately because sometimes when you move, you feel so overwhelmed in a new city and what's better than finding other people to help you and right. like wrap their arms around you and help you with the transition. Like all we have to do is reach out because if you, if you move somewhere, a lot of times no one even knows you're there exactly. unless you put forth some effort to meet other people and make, make it known that you're there and looking for opportunities to either socialize or serve or maybe a job opportunity. Like no one will know if you don't put yourself out there, like from the very beginning. So I feel like that's something that I really try to do with my kids is like immediately find play dates or immediately find their school and things like that to like really put us out there. I love how intentional you are. And I think that's so true. Kind of our natural tendency is maybe to like remain in a funk and just feel overwhelmed and stare at the boxes around you and be like, I can't leave my house until we're all unpacked or whatever. But if you just went to lunch with a mom that looked like one of your people, like, you know, like that can really go so far to just encourage you that this place could feel like home very soon. I'm sure that there's been so many times where women that I've just like walked up to in the grocery store and been like, do you speak English? Do you have kids with you? Like, can we play? They're probably in the beginning thinking like, whoa, she is like overbearing. But I feel like that's just like how I have to handle situations. Like, oh, she has kids that look like they're my same age. Like I have to find a way to talk to her. Well, and no wonder you've been so successful about moving with a good attitude repeatedly because that will take you so far. I really admire that. That's amazing. And that's true if you're just moving, you know, across the city. It's true if you're moving to a different state and certainly if you're moving around the world. But those are principles that you can take anytime you're moving into a new environment. Oh, totally. I think that's true. I think all the time people are like, oh, well, I'm not moving to a different country. I'm just moving to like a different state. And I'm like, listen, the same exact feelings that I have when I move to a different country, like you can have those as well. Like you're going to feel just as foreign as I feel when I live in, like when I move to Russia, like mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Like it's not your environment, you know? So you just have to kind of 
gung-ho and suck it up and get out there and do what you can to make your family comfortable. Absolutely. So what is where you live in Russia like? I think as Americans, we have a certain mindset or certain idea Russians in our mind. scary. Exactly. And and <laughs> what, what is Russia like for you? And how can okay. you get me to picture it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So currently, let me give you the, the setup right now. Um, right now, it's like pouring snow oh my goodness of snow and so yes the like cliche russia is cold actually is totally true (laughs) but you know what i had no idea how beautiful this country is like the city i'm living in is st petersburg and it is so beautiful like there's so much history here the architecture is incredible um there's just like so many things to get out and see And I did not expect that because, I mean, to be honest, who says that, like, visiting Russia is on their bucket list? Like, you don't hear that. You hear Rome or you hear Athens or you hear, you know, obviously these Paris, these European cities. But really, since I've been here, I feel like I'm telling everyone, like, listen, there are things that are, like, incredible here and totally worth seeing. So um, that is something I didn't expect. But as far as, like, the weather... It is so cold, I can't even explain it. People are like, but you're from Utah. Like, you're used to winter. And I'm like, oh, this is beyond on a whole other level. Like, I can't even describe. You walk outside and your nostrils freeze. Or, like, if your kids are crying, like, their tears will freeze on their face. Like, it's just crazy cold. So that's been, like, something that has been a huge adjustment for us coming from Spain where we were living in flip-flops and t-shirts around for three years. Um, Then having to buy all these winter clothes was just threw us off our game completely. But, you know, you just take it. You just learn to deal with it. And honestly, now we got here this year and my son was asking like, mom, when is it going to snow? Like I want it to snow. And now he's getting what he wanted because it's right. It's not stopping. Yeah. He's gotten more than what he asked for. Totally. So are most of your friends Russian or is it kind of diverse in your area? So that is actually something that I will explain to you that is true. And I really hope that I don't offend any Russians that listen to this, (laughs) but to be honest, in my experience, um, the Russian people are very closed. So mm-hmm. um, I've had a Russian friend actually explain this to me. So this is coming from a Russian. She told me that the difference in Americans versus Russians is that Americans are open from the beginning. You meet someone, you're immediately like kind to them. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of them, you're open, you're willing to invite them into your home. Whereas a Russian, because of um, some hard times in their history and just the way their culture is, you actually have to earn someone's trust. So for example, when I'm at the grocery store, people don't just look at each other and smile or people don't just greet each other when they hold open the door or things like that. It's like very closed off. So Hmm. because of that, it has been a lot easier for me to actually make all foreign friends. Um, with that being said, I do have some Russian friends that are mothers of, um, my kids or my mothers and my kids' friends from school, but honestly, 98% of my friends are all foreign. They're all like me living in this country um, while their husbands work. 
And so I have friends from Italy, Sweden, Turkey, Germany, Ukraine, um, gosh, everywhere. And that's just kind of been my go-to group. So really not many Russian friends, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my friend Lindsay lives in Qatar in the Middle East, uh-huh. and, and she said yeah. it's very similar. Like, the Qatari people, they are very familial, and so they really stick together, and they really don't venture out very much, and that's nothing against yeah. that culture. That's just kind of what's ingrained in them. And so she has oh, no geez. friends like that. And then she has such a melting pot of, of uh, in her social circle, which is really neat, she said. So what have you learned from the other international moms? Do you notice anything that they do differently that you really admire and that really stands out to you? So something, when you wrote this for me earlier to think about, um, something that really came to my mind is the difference I have noticed um, when we're just sitting around as a group of women, I feel like there's so much acceptance. Hmm. We are like so different from one another. And yet I don't feel like there's anything judgmental being passed like at all. We all do things so differently. Like um, my German friend that just has a newborn, she's doing things completely different than how I did things with my newborns. And yet somehow we're sitting and having this conversation and in no way are we passing words with each other that are like, you should not do it that way. Or that's so, you know, that's different than how my pediatrician in Utah told me to do things. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like, um, when I'm home in Utah and as, as amazing as it is to be home, like really there, there's no place better than home. Sometimes, unfortunately I do feel like amongst moms, there's a lot of judgment or comparison or we can be unfortunately quick to um think that our way is the best way and that there's only one way to do things so Mm -hmm. like for example like when I was feeding um Remy and Marlo their first solids and we were living in Spain I was telling my friend like yeah my doctors in America they say no honey, no peanuts, no fish before the first year. And she just started laughing hysterically. <laughs> and she's like, Jess, it's so funny you said that because in Spain, our first finger foods are fish, oil is on everything, and honey. And she's <laughs> like, so we were just laughing, saying, like, obviously there's no perfect way to, like, being a mother. Like, there's just no right and wrong answer. It's just, like, your beliefs and what felt good to you is acceptable. And like, we all just care and love for our children. And so we all just need to cut each other some slack and (laughs) realize that, you know, your way is amazing and my way is amazing. And it's okay for us to be completely different. So that's something I noticed among the foreign moms here in a roundabout way. Sorry, I told you such a long example. No, I really, I'm sitting in a room with all of my international friends and not one time have I felt with my friends like she's totally thinking like how I do that is wrong or she just basically tried to tell me in a nice way that I'm a horrible mom. Like never (laughs) once have I felt that way. And unfortunately, sometimes at home, I do sometimes feel that way a little bit. So that's something I notice. No, absolutely. But do you feel like being raised in America, being put in that type of environment, you had to work on retraining your mind to not do that to them? I mean, you seem like a great person, Um, so I don't mean that meanly. (laughs) I feel like it's something that um, I, I luckily was, 
was raised with a mom who was open and kind to everyone. So I think that that has luckily not really been in me to be quick to tell people like that I'm not agreeing with something they're doing or, you know, things like that. But it's definitely been eye opening for me. And like, I've learned a lot from just listening to other moms instead of being quick to think like our ways in America are the only correct way. It's like, I've learned to be like, okay, I don't have to say like, oh, well in America we do it this way. And like, I don't want to seem like I think that our way is the best. So I've had to kind of learn now to not be so quick to respond, like to listen completely to my friend's advice or how she does things. And then like really listen to myself and say, okay, well, is my information actually going to benefit her or should I just be quiet and just take what she said and actually apply it in my life? So that's kind of something I've had to learn is just kind of slow down listen first and then see if I can be of help. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Oh man. If only we could get that here in America. And I wonder why that is such, such an issue here. I mean, it's probably social media. Is social media is big over there. I think I would say yes, because honestly, like I, I think that a lot of my following like is are like from Russia, Okay. like a ton of my following is from Spain. So I would say, yeah, for okay. sure, it's as big. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder what that is. And I think it's something that we should really work on to see somebody who's doing something differently and either think in our mind, huh, how about that? That's great that it's working yeah. for them. Or, huh, that's different than what I know. Maybe I could learn from them. Instead of just yeah. jumping to criticism. I think mm-hmm. that's so common, but it really doesn't serve us at all. Yeah, and I mean, really, what's worse, like, as a mom... No mom wants to be told that what they're doing no. is like incorrect. You know, like we're, I, I really, I just feel like all the time, like I'm not a perfect mom, but of course I'm trying all the time to do things well. So for someone right. to tell you like, oh, well the way you are choosing to feed your kids, like that's just like, that's wrong. You, right. know, you can't feed your kid that like, no, I, I'm doing what's best for my kid. I want them to be healthy, just like you want your kids to be healthy. So, right. anyway. Yeah, no, and I think our inner critic is loud enough. We don't need the outer critics being, you know, yeah. harping on us even yeah. more. Seriously. Well, let's talk more about your motherhood. So you started your family in Europe. Will you tell me about bringing Asher into your family? And what were those early days of motherhood for you like? And what was it like delivering, you know, in Europe? Like I said, I had my son in Italy, but I'll give you a little bit of a background. Um, My husband was playing for a team um, that was just about 15 minutes outside of Venice. And in this city, I created a great group of friends. I felt like I had a great, um, like, social life. And so being away from my family and being pregnant was actually okay. I felt like I was doing well. Again, like I had said earlier, it wasn't like the life I had expected, but I felt like I was doing okay. Well, then my husband actually decided at the time um, I was about two months from delivering. He decided that it was um, time for him to switch teams. There was some issues with the team he was on, so he decided to be traded to another team. So that uprooted us uh, about two months before I actually had Asher. And wow. that unfortunately threw me for a loop. I I had a tough transition. I was feeling like 
everything that made me feel comfortable in my pregnancy and being excited to welcome a baby, like that all changed because then I went to a new city where I, I had to start from scratch. I didn't know anyone. We were six hour drive away from where I had been. So it's not like I could easily invite my old friends over. Um, so that put me in a little bit of a funk, unfortunately. And that's not where I wanted to be. Um, to welcome my son. So luckily my mom was able to come over and stay with me for a long time. She was with me for probably about six weeks. So she came over two weeks before I delivered and stayed with me for a month. And honestly, I can't explain to you how much I needed that because Mm. I really didn't have anyone to go to. I didn't have anyone that wanted to come see my baby. I didn't have anyone come visit me in the hospital. It just wasn't what I pictured. So that was really a challenging time in my life. I had a really hard delivery. It was 36 hours. Um, it was natural and I didn't choose that power to you mamas that choose to do natural (laughs) delivery. Cause wow, that was, that was not my choice and I will never choose to do that again. um, So yeah, that was just a time that was tough, but honestly, I'm grateful that when my son, like when Asher actually came and we were home, and it was quiet, and yeah, I wasn't surrounded by, you know, the 10 girlfriends you expect to come and dote on your baby for an hour, you know, like that. Yeah. I, I didn't have that, but it was really special to just have my husband, have my mom, and then soon after, my dad and a sibling came to visit, and that was really special, but I just... Uh, it was different than what I had imagined, but it ended up being a special time because it was quiet and I just had so much alone time with Asher. Yeah. And then all of my friends and family made up for it big time when we got to go home for the summer. They had a surprise baby shower and you don't realize as a mom how much those things really mean like right. until it happens to you. Like, okay, everyone's thinking, here we go, another baby shower, like, oh, uh, you know, whatever. And then when... When it's happening to you, there's just, like, nothing more special than feeling celebrated. And I think I just was so appreciative because I had felt so alone for, you know, a good couple months. And I just really needed to feel surrounded by loved ones. So everything, like, ended up okay. And, um, yeah, so that was with Asher. And then, luckily, with Remy and Marlo, I was in... Malaga, Spain. We just loved this city. I had created such great friends. Luckily there, I had the type of delivery and experience that I had hoped for the first round. Friends were coming to the hospital, flowers, meals, um, tons of people visiting me at home and just dropping by and checking in. And I just felt like it was such a polar opposite from the experience I had with Asher. I had a much better delivery, which is surprising because twins is usually harder. Right, yeah. But I just, I was so grateful then that, you know, with my second pregnancy and delivery to just have that experience where I was surrounded by people and loved ones and friends that felt like family. And um, yeah, so it's totally different having babies in foreign countries but what my mom always tells me is listen there's babies all around the world so if you need to have a baby in Spain then you're good because they have babies in Spain if you need to have a baby in Africa you're good because they have babies in Africa so her her mentality and her positivity that way has actually been good for me to just kind of realize like okay 
you know, I can go, I can choose to have a baby and have my husband there with me, or I can come back to the States and not have my husband be able to experience that with me and deliver without him, which in, in my personal opinion, that's just, that's not an option for me. So yeah. anyway. Well, and I really like how those two experiences were completely different. And even though the first one was way more challenging for you and not at all like the vision that you had, I like how you still found value and still found joy in the, in the quiet as well as joy in the being surrounded by people. And so I think for moms that are listening that maybe they don't have a huge support group around them. Maybe they're not living near family. Maybe they're just a quieter, more reserved person and you know they don't have that huge social network. It doesn't mean that you need to necessarily feel lonely and despair because you're not having the hoopla because there's still such beauty in being there with your newborn. And what yeah. would what would you what would you tell a mom that maybe is feeling feeling lonely and is struggling with with that type of situation? Yeah, so um I feel like sometimes people think that um just from my social media, which is hard because obviously social media is just little squares, you can't actually see everything, but I've had a lot of moms say to me, like, you're just always happy, and I just don't get how you're always happy. Honest truth is I am not always happy, but I choose every day to try to be happy. And so I think that something I have chosen, because there's been a ton of times where I felt completely alone or secluded or so homesick that it hurts. But I think what you have to do is you have to step back, look at your situation. My situation is if I want my husband to have a job, then I need to live in Russia. So if I want to live in the States... That means my husband, you know, doesn't have the job that is of his dreams. It's not maybe something that provides as well for our family or something. I have to just step back, kind of make a list, a mental note of the positive things that I actually do have going on. Like my kids are healthy. I'm happy. I have friends. Like there's challenging moments. My husband travels a lot. It's hard to be, I mean, I don't even want to refer to myself as a single mom because I know that I'm truly not. And, but you know, those yeah. moments where I feel solo like parenting. Yeah. Um, I just kind of have to like analyze and think like, I really do have things to be happy for. And there's been a lot of moments where I've been like, oh, I just want to call like my very best friend and just meet with her for lunch. And it's not possible, but you know, what's even better is asking your husband to actually go with you to lunch and have, make your husband have like a girl chat that you want to have with your girlfriend and just kind of grasp onto someone that you do have around, you know, like I, I feel like no one is ever like completely alone. Like, yeah, you might miss your, group of six best girlfriends at home where you were previously or something, but you're never completely alone. Like you have a spouse or you have someone that you can become friends with. You just have to like at least grab onto one person and put forth the effort to maybe try to just not feel as lonely and reach out to someone and explain to them that you're struggling. And most of the time someone is willing to, help you or listen to you or share their advice or they'll, they'll know to reach out to you more. So I feel like just making it known that you need some help is a, is a good way to deal with loneliness too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. I I do. 
And how have you evolved as a mom and as a person since having this lifestyle where you're moving constantly and being away and having to really just depend upon your little family and then the extended social circle that you create and that you seek out? How has that changed you as a person? So I feel like I have changed as a person actually a lot. Like I, I look back on the last eight years and I feel like every year I have had kind of like a big learning experience, whether it's positive or negative. Sometimes I learn things about myself that I'm really ashamed of in a year or, you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately I'm not, you know, I'm not always doing everything perfectly, but I, I feel like I've learned that women are so incredibly strong and creating a network of women is really like so powerful. Mm. So everywhere I've lived, I have had women that surround themselves around me and whether they're someone that be kind of becomes a mother figure or someone that becomes kind of like a little sister to me or someone that starts to feel like a best friend. It's like together with women anywhere I live is like we can get each other through anything. And you guys, I, I have had like amazing relationships with people that barely even speak English. (laughs) So I can create a relationship with someone where I'm sobbing when I have to leave to go home for the summer. And I can't even express to them like truly what I'm, what's going on in my head, but we can just show each other by embracing and We both know how we're both feeling about it, but really all we've ever been able to do is just do kind acts for one another or just kind of show up for each other. So something I've learned from the beginning when I had no kids and I was (laughs) on my own to now having three kids eight years later is that women are so powerful and we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we're able to accomplish. And we should just be like so grateful to be surrounded by amazing women and or mothers or sisters or friends and just be so happy that we can have one another. Oh, Jess, you are so well spoken. (laughs) I'm so glad my audience is going to know you if you weren't previously on the radar because this is what I'm talking about. It's that type of outlook and intentionality and choosing happiness and choosing to serve others. Like you said, it's like you don't speak the same language to serve somebody else, you know, to smile at them to have your kids play at the park, you know, how have you taught your children to be able to, um, make friends and, and adapt to each new, new place? So, um, with my son who I've said probably 12 times now, sorry, Asher is five, (laughs) but just to kind of, you know, my kids are still little, but he wants friends everywhere we go. He, you know, every country we live in, he's very social. So something that I have taught him, um, I think for for sure last year was his biggest transition because he had an incredible little group of buddies um, in, in Malaga, um, in Spain, and then we transitioned to Russia, and that was a huge change for him because he was used to playdates on the beach, he was used to swimming year-round and meeting his friends all the time, and he was in school with his best friends, um, and then we came to Russia, and it was snowing and it was cold and there's not like when it's snowing outside, not every little kid is outside on the playground. So it was like a total transition for him. So something I taught him was that he has the ability to let kids know 
that he wants to play by just showing them. Like, I've, <laughs> I, let's see if I can describe this because this isn't video. I've <laughs> shown him that he can put his hands, like, up on his chest and, like, show them, like, I want to play. So I, he, like, has this way of showing them, like, puts his hands up on his chest and, like, pats it, like, I want to, and then does running arms play. And then kids, like, they get it. Because lots of times if we're on a playground and, you know, he's speaking English and they're speaking Russian, they actually aren't being rude by not playing with him. They right. don't understand that he's wanting to play. Like, they just think that this kid doesn't understand them, so we'll just let him be. The second he puts <laughs> forth the effort and walks up to them and does the little body language that we've practiced, like, immediately, kids are kids. They want to play. Like, we've had very few instances where, like, he's actually been completely left out. Like, the little bit of effort that he puts forth to just show them that he's interested goes a long way. So I think just teaching him that even if you don't speak the same like language as someone, you can still be their friend. He goes to soccer practice here. It's all in Russian. He has a German friend. We have play dates. They can't even talk to each other. They'll like teach each other a little like German or English words, but like they can't have conversation. And yet they're laughing together. They're wrestling. They're playing cars together. And they're not even sitting and chatting in the same language. So for Asher, I, I feel like I've just had to show him like this is this is how it is. And like I I kind of I might sound like insensitive. I don't really give him the option of like whimpering about it yeah like, this is just how it is if he wants to play then he has to go to the playground and show them that he wants to play like I don't sit with him on this on the bench and let him sob to me about not having friends of course I am sensitive to our transitions I don't want to sound like I'm a horrible mom but I don't try to make such a big deal of it that he's not necessarily speaking everyone's same language does that make, does that make sense oh yeah well and you're giving him the tools you're not just saying oh no no, no. go play go make friends go I, do it go do it because Left to his own devices, like, he may not know how to do it. And the other kids wouldn't know how to do it. And so you are teaching him the tools and equipping him with the resources to make friends. And that will serve him his whole life. And clearly, you've understood how to do that because you've been successful in that as an adult. And to be able to pass that on to your kids, I think so many times we expect things of our kids that we've never taught them how to do. And some of these things are not natural to them. So if we want them to, oh, you just need to share, you need to share, you need to share, you need to share. Well, sharing does not come natural to toddlers, but we can, (laughs) I'm dealing with that with my girls. Right. It's not natural. No, it's not. But that doesn't mean that they can't learn. It doesn't mean they're not going to learn it the first time you tell them to share. But after the 50th time of showing them how to release the toy from the grips of their fists and to turn it over to their sister, right? You've been there. Yeah. That, oh, oh, I've been there too many yeah. times, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to take that time to teach them. And I think that is so wise to do. And you're saving yourself a lot of headache because if you keep yeah. moving like this, these skills are going to keep needing to resurface every every single time. So yeah, equip and something, them. something I do try to do for Asher, he responds, I think just like any other child, he responds really well to like positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So say that we've been playing at the playground and he's had a full play date with some kids that didn't speak his same language and he does really well and he just puts himself out there. As we're walking away, I always try to give him some sort of positive reinforcement. Like, Asher, 
I am so impressed with how you got in there and you put forth effort to make some friends and you were nice to that kid when he hit you and you didn't know why or, you know, situations where, because sometimes he doesn't respond as well to, yeah. you know, when there's a miscommunication, but I always, no matter what, even if there were a couple mishaps, I try to walk away giving him some sort of positive reinforcement so that he goes into the next time feeling like, okay, I can handle this. I remember last time I did this. This is how I start. This is what happened, you know? Yep. So Yep. That is so, so smart. Do you think there'll ever be a time when you want roots? Do you think you'll ever be done with this type of thing and just say, okay, it's time to settle down? So absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I, I feel like every summer when I go home, I'm like, okay, this seems pretty nice. Maybe I could just stay here this season. Maybe Ryan will just go, you know, but that's, that would just be so hard on all of us. So, um, my husband, we actually are thinking about this life for probably about five more years. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he will, hopefully it will be his choice to retire. Hopefully it's not an injury that is a forced retirement, but Mm -hmm. That is when we will put down roots. We will um, take some years for my husband to actually decide what is next. But I plan on us just living in Utah again, which is home for me. It's become home for my husband as well. He's he's originally from Arizona, but um, went to college in Utah, and that's where we go home into every summer. So my guess is that Utah will be home, and there's times where nothing sounds better than enrolling my kids in the local public school and they'll ride the big yellow bus to school and that's just what will be the norm and then I have to remind myself that this life we're living it's not possible to do it forever my husband can't play basketball till he's 60 (laughs) so for these you know 12 to 15 years I'm going to try to really embrace it. That doesn't mean I'm going to love every second because, to be honest, I don't love every second. But we can't do this forever. And so what a cool way for my kids to see the world. And then when it's time to go home and be done, we will have had these adventures. And then we'll all really appreciate having, like, like you said, putting down some roots and just having the stability of being in one place. But we'll be able to remember the fun adventures that we had. Yeah, and I think that applies to any season that any of the listeners might be in right now. That if it could be a really challenging time with also some really great benefits as well, but just try and focus on those benefits because the season will be over in in due time, you know, like all seasons do. So just trying to focus on that positive and realize, okay, eventually that craving of my heart to have roots, that will come. But that's that would prohibit you from having these amazing life experiences with your family right now if you just jump to that. And something I do to, like, um, wherever we're living, I I do try to do some things that just really feel like home. Like, Mm -hmm. I still really celebrate Halloween, even though in Russia they most (laughs) definitely do not have Halloween. Like, there is no such thing as just going to another Russian store and knocking on it and asking for candy. Like, no way. That's frowned upon, yeah. They actually don't even celebrate Christmas here. So we still do our regular holidays. We embrace theirs as well. We celebrate them, and that's fun to, you know, have the differences and learn about their holidays. But some things that you really do at home 
to that make, you know, your, I, I guess I should say like your, where your roots were mm-hmm. or where you want them to be something that feels like home there, try to recreate it in your new home or invite new friends that haven't ever celebrated Thanksgiving, have them into your home and show them what, you know, your holidays look like. And that's a way for me to just really like realize like this is not a traditional holiday, but in 15 years when I'm having yet another regular Thanksgiving, I'll probably look back on these years and think like, how cool was it to teach my Swedish friend how to make my mom's, you know, dinner rolls or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. I just have like a thousand more questions about living in Russia. I really do. But that's going to have to be on another podcast because this is going to be three hours just like you hoped. (laughs) But I want to make sure we get to the new website that you're launching. I'm so excited. Tell the listeners and I about this website. Oh, you're so nice to even be a little bit excited. Like I, I, I am really nervous about putting myself out there like this, but it's actually something that I have been, um, I guess I could say kind of like daydreaming about for the last couple of years. Um, since I've become a mom, I just finally now decided this last summer to actually go with it. So I am launching a website. Um, when the time comes, it will just be JessToolson.com. And on the site, I will be sharing my personal stories, my personal adventures, what my family's up to. But also the part I'm the most excited about is that I will have a section that is women around the world. So weekly, I will have a new mom or a girl I've met or someone that is living overseas or a local to where I'm living share their experiences with being a mother or their differences with their culture and things that um, we find really interesting. So every week you'll check in, you'll see someone else's perspective on motherhood. And I just love learning all the differences from all different women. And so that's really something I'm wanting to focus on is that we're all different. Um, I mother, I discipline, I cook differently than a lot of, you know, women that are my closest friends, but yet what I do is great and what they do is great. So we're just going to learn from one another and hopefully create a safe environment where um, women feel confident to really share um, their stories and be themselves and be accepted. So it'll be a safe space. Yay. That is so in line with Extraordinary Moms podcast. And so I just think it's perfectly timed. This is coming out really soon. And I, I really, I can't thank you enough it's for amazing. being part of this because I, I like, applaud everything that you've been doing. And I just love like these podcasts and listening to other women's stories. So really, thank I do. You. Oh, I do too. Well, thank you for being on. This has been so great. Well, I think you need to like make a podcast out of that as well, but maybe that's a little okay. down the road. One thing at a time. <laughs> maybe we can be like a partnership. There you know? go. Yeah. There, there you go. You pass along those extraordinary moms to me and I'll uh, have oh, them on here. Yeah. How cool would that be? I would love it. That is so cool. Well, I just think you're amazing, Jess. I feel like after talking to you for an hour that we're best friends and I can see how you pick up friends in the grocery store, even when you don't speak their oh, language. I get it now. I get it. <laughs> you are one of my friends. Yay. Sure. We are. So if people want to follow you online, on social media, where can people follow along with your family's journey? So my Instagram is just Jess Toulson, J-E-S-S-T-O-O-L-S-O-N. And on my Instagram, I just am always sharing our family's adventures and things I've been up to lately. It's a lot of pictures of my kids. So if you don't like seeing someone else's kids, <laughs> probably not for you. But 
Um, and then, yeah, my website will just be JessToolson.com, and hopefully you guys like it. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this, Jess. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Ooh, okay. Let's think. I would tell my pre-motherhood self that even though motherhood seems pretty overwhelming, um, I come from a family where I'm the youngest. I don't have a ton of experience with, like, little kids. But I would tell myself that I am capable of loving my children and showing them a, a home where they're loved for and cared for and that I think that they're, like, so precious. So even though moments will seem hard, days will seem very long, <laughs> I am capable of being a good mom and showing my kids that they're loved. Oh, that's beautiful. It's as simple as that. I think we can beat ourselves up about so many little details during the day, but it yeah. boils down to loving your kids. And if you know at the end of the day, like you look them in the eye and you hugged them and you showed them that you love them, you can feel pretty good about the job that you're doing. Yeah, I, I feel like so many moments as a mom, I feel like, oh my gosh, I could have handled that situation yeah. better. Like that was just not my best day and things like that. But really at the end of the day, your kids, all they want to hear from you, even if you've been a little bit too impatient that day, all they want to hear from you is that you love them and that, yeah. you know, you're there for them all the time. So that's yeah. just what I would tell myself is that, you know, it. it's hard, but you can get through it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been a pleasure. Will you come back in the spring when it's not so snowy and you can talk about what's going on in your life then? <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yay. I would love to. That would be such a blast. That would be fun. Well, it's morning here. It's nighttime there and you've done your whole day parenting. Now you get to go rest. So I'll let you Good go. Night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Thanks for being on Jess. This has been so fun. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I want to thank Jess for being on the show today. She is the winner of the furthest guest away for the podcast so far. We've had interviews with somebody in Turks and Caicos and Qatar and Switzerland and now in Russia. So that's just so exciting. And hopefully we can have some of her friends on who are also extraordinary moms from around the world. Wouldn't that be amazing to have on the show? So thanks, Jess, for sharing your story. She's just such a ray of light. And just from hearing her voice and her enthusiasm for life and motherhood, it's contagious. And it really helped me to just have a little spring in my step as I went into the day. So hopefully you felt that too. You definitely need to check out her website at JessToolson.com. And all the links to anything we talked about in the show will be in the show notes at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 and on Facebook over at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode. It's such a pleasure to bring you these Extraordinary Mom interviews every single week. We have another one coming up on Tuesday, which you're going to love with Mary Heffernan. She is an Extraordinary Mom who went from living the suburban life in Northern California. She was um, an entrepreneur. She had three little girls and Almost out of nowhere, she and her husband decided to go to the most northern city in California to start a ranch. They are now cattle farmers. They own a company called Five Mary's Farms where they sell beef. It is just the most amazing story because she went from a life that many, might look like a lot of your lives to a life that looks nothing like that. 
and she has just thrived in their new situation. And you're going to be so interested and fascinated by everything that goes on on the ranch. I know it. I was blown away, and I know you will be too. So have an awesome day, and I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.